Welcome to another episode of Once Upon East 112. It is post-draft week. Uh, my name is Aaron Avra, and with me, as always, Donatus Carroll. How are we doing on this brand new week? Aaron, my man, Mr. Cleveland Brown himself, the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> greatest podcast host of all time. I'm doing that? great, man. How are you, dude? Hey, man, I cannot complain. The school year's winding down. We learned that we can't give new work after May 8th, which essentially means if all your kids are caught up by May 8th, I don't know what I'm supposed to do besides grades, <laughs> but I don't got to curate any new content. Uh, I don't mind it. Those of you listening, I teach, I do like curating content, which means just creating the, the activities for the students, but it's yeah. been, it's been a whirlwind. It's been a whirlwind. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm doing good. I'm psyched. It's, it's post-draft week. Uh, for those of you that helped interact with us on Facebook a little bit, I tried to, we tried to stay along with how the first round went because all we did was project the first round. Um, and if you noticed, we did terrible. I mean, absolutely <laughs> terrible. We, we got like six picks correct, maybe. <laughs> we, it, it went essentially how all of the, um, how how all the expert analysts said it would go, which was a bummer. Uh, there was like <laughs> there was like no trades. What, what what was your overall like? We're going to dive into who we think the winners and losers are, some of the storylines that we think came from it, and we're also going to analyze our teams. But as a whole, like I, was, was it disappointing to you? And by disappointing, I mean like we thought it was going to be mayhem. Yeah, if, uh, the first. The first round specifically, is that what you're asking about? Yeah, yeah, the first round where it's yeah. like the big night where everyone's watching. You think mayhem's yeah. about to come down. Yeah, it was super, uh, super disappointing um, as far as, you know, like you said, we thought that there were going to be a bunch of trades, and we were both hoping and praying that the football gods would give us absolute mayhem. Um, but, I mean, nothing happened within the first ten picks, first what uh, – the one trade that we got within, I think, like the first 20 picks was yeah. um, San Francisco moving back and Tampa Bay moving up one, which I didn't really get that. But, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> nothing, no no excitement really happened until later on, which was good. But, I mean, everybody's kind of gone to bed at that point. So, yeah, yeah I, I – uh, super, super disappointing. Um, I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the draft. I, for some reason, I don't know if it was this new platform, new atmosphere. I actually liked it. But as far yeah. as as far as the mayhem went, I was expecting like some major shifts within the top ten because all of these wide receivers people were going to be fighting over and and it was that right. was just a bummer. <laughs> right. But before we get into the podcast, Donis, I we we spoke a little before this. He has not heard the news. Some new news broke about I don't even know how you don't know this yet. Twenty minutes ago. I saw a tweet that this news broke, and I would argue this is bigger than the news we we inherited last week with Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> the Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns have signed Rashad Higgins to another one-year contract, and I could <laughs> not be more excited. Um, 
I, I trailed it out because there's also rumor that we're eyeing Jadavian Clowney, so I want to die just to think that we got Clowney. But, no, we got Rashad Higgins back. He is, for those of you that are not Browns fans and don't know much about him, he is our number three wide receiver. Last year he went down with injury, and then when he came back, like, Freddie Kitchens pretended he didn't exist and used only undrafted free agents who were not as good as Rashad Higgins, Hollywood Higgins. Um <laughs> And it bothered the mess out of me because he is Baker's or has been Baker's most reliable target over the past two seasons. Um, so to get him back, he signed a con- – or rumor has it he has signed – Browns hadn't put it out yet, but some of Browns media has – signed a contract for like $900,000, a one-year yeah. deal, kind of a prove-it deal. And he turned yeah. down other deals that were more lucrative where he would make more money so he could return to Cleveland. And that is a team player who loves the team, and we have Hollywood Higgins back, and I could not be more thrilled. That is the breaking news. Bigger than Rob Gronkowski. If you're a Browns fan, you know what I'm saying. Um, Because, like, we're the only ones who know who he is. But (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy, man. I just – I looked it up just now. and Yeah, that the thing that stands out to me about that is the $910,000 contract – but also the majority of the things I'm seeing that is the reason that he came back is because he loves Baker Mayfield so much. So yep. um, for a quarterback who, you know, whether you like him or not, he gets a whole lot of, of flack in the in the media for his personality and, and all that stuff. And, and honestly, stuff going back to Oklahoma, um, it speaks a lot for Mayfield to uh, to have a reliable target, um, a veteran who's been in the league for a while has played for different teams um, that turned down more money somewhere else for, and the main reason being because he loves Baker Mayfield. So that's that's great for uh, for the Browns, so that's great for Mayfield's uh, um, persona or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, too, and, so. and I uh, I told my wife, I said, uh, I said, if you ever get asked the question and you were, for, you were, you were forced with the question of who is my favorite obscure not as well-known Cleveland Brown. <laughs> Hollywood Higgins is the answer always. He, I, I think he is an mm-hmm. excellent wide receiver. Um, and hopefully, not hopefully, I know Stefanski will know how to use him. Um, yeah. And it's going to be dangerous. All right. So we'll dive into, because uh, I'm, I'm going to talk more about the depth of the Browns later on. Uh, we are going to talk about our teams. We're going to grade our teams and how we think they did. Before that, we're going to step into our winners and losers. Uh, we both looked through the draft. We each chose a winner. We each chose a loser. We have not told each other, so there is, you know, there's a chance that we have the same winner or same loser, and all that means is that they're definitely a winner or a loser. Um, I'm not going to force one of us to, to re-choose a new winner or loser. That just reinforces that their draft was either great or terrible. Um, so do, you, do you want to start with the, the good, with the winners? Do you want to start with the, uh, the man, what are you doing, losers? Uh, whoa, that's a good one. Let's go with the losers, man. Um, let's Ooh, start with the losers okay. first. Alright, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, yeah, I'll kick this one off and then we'll let you kick off the winners one. Um, alright, so. You, alright, sounds good. The, for the losers, I uh, I thought about going with one that was probably going to shock a lot of people, but I decided not to. Um, it came down to two teams from the AFC East, 
Um, okay. And this right. might be a shocker, but I really don't think it should be. The loser for me, loser team for me for the 2020 NFL draft has to be the New England Patriots. Um, oh. And the reason why is this. So both my both the, my winners and my losers, they both had 10 picks. Um, and you'll see when I pick my, win, my winning team, um, just the complete different directions that these teams went to. The, the, the New England Patriots have to be the losers for this reason. They had 10 picks. They didn't pick any quarterback. They didn't pick any playmakers. And they took a kicker in the fifth round. Um, so <laughs> I don't care if you're Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time. Anytime that you take a kicker in the fifth round, I'm gonna, you're, you've got to be the worst team. Um, what? We did that last year. <laughs> Continue. Okay. And you <laughs> yeah, okay. But well, here's the difference. Um, I, I still stand by my point, but Austin Corbett, Corbett or whatever, he was a he was a dang good kicker in um in college, and he kicked for a team that scored a lot in Oklahoma. the The Patriots selected Justin Rohrwasser. He's from Marshall. Um, so it's not mind you, it's not the same. <laughs> Mind you, he wasn't even one of the top three kickers that were available. Like, they bypassed the top three kickers to go for him. But go ahead. Right. Um, so, yeah. Um, they took a guy, Kyle Duggar, out of Lenore Ryan. I really don't even know where that's at. Um, but I understand that he's, he's supposedly supposed to be a really good player. The problem that I have with that is he's a safety, and the Patriots are already deep at safety. Um, they're deep at they're deep at secondary. I think their secondary is the strength of their team. Um, they've got Patrick Chung. They've got um, I don't know if it's Devin McCourty. It's one of the McCourty twins um, that plays safety. So I, I didn't understand that pick at um, with their first pick. With or they well first of all stop they they traded their first round pick um, <laughs> to the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, and I guess they picked up that second, that pick number 37 in the second round. And so with that, they took Kyle Duggar. And I guess um, it, it, it didn't really make sense to pick a, a position that you're deep in. So with their next two picks, they spent on outside linebackers, which again, outside linebacker, um, you have to be, you have to be good to play outside linebacker because you play a hybrid position. Um, with the Patriots, you play outside linebacker and you play defensive end. But they, they had Chase Winovich out of uh, Michigan last year. They went back to Michigan and took Josh Uchay, UK, I don't know how you say his last name, out of Michigan. And then a Fernie <laughs> Dennings, which I don't, I really don't know too much about him, but I guess as an Alabama fan, you may be able to tell whether that's a good pick or not. Then they, then the, their next two picks in the third round, they went back to back, uh, taking tight ends, 10 picks apart or 20 picks apart. Uh, no, 10 picks for it. 91 and 101. I don't know. My math is terrible. But they took a tight end out of UCLA and then another tight end out of Virginia Tech. Neither one of those tight ends were standout tight ends, and this was not a deep tight end draft. Um, and then their later picks, they took a guard and a tackle, a linebacker, and a center. Um, and so I, I was just super disappointed with what Bill Belichick did with the Patriots. Um, mainly because this is an off season where um, they lost Tom Brady. Um, 
news that Rob Gronkowski came out of retirement to sign with Tampa Bay, the, the Tampa <laughs> Bay Buccaneers, just broke last week. Um, you, you're, you'd, you'd already don't really have much of an option at quarterback. I, I get going with Garrett Stidham, but you don't even have like a, a really good backup in Brian Hoyer. Um, you have somebody who's, who's familiar with your system, but Brian Hoyer is not a top backup. Um, as you look at backups across the league. And then offensively, um, you have Sony Michelle who had uh, a really good rookie year and struggled last year. Um, and then receiver, you have Julian Edelman, who's super reliable. You have Muhammad Sanu, who struggled with the Patriots last year. Um, and then Nikhil Harry, who was kind of a disappointment last year as well. So I guess it was just one of those drafts where you were expecting the Patriots to do something big. They needed to sign playmakers. Um, in a draft that was super deep at wide receiver, one of the deepest wide receiver drafts we've had um, in the past how many ever years. They didn't take a wide receiver, um, and they don't even really need a wide receiver, but they could have used another playmaker. And they didn't take a, a running back or uh, a utility player that could play running back and um, wide receiver. So it was just it was just super disappointing um, to see that the Patriots, they had 10 picks and they didn't really do anything with them. Um, I think the biggest reason that it's kind of disappointing is because it was kind of like um, Bill Belichick conceded and said, okay, I give up. This is going to be a rebuilding year for us. Um, and I think for the greatest coach of all time who has six Super Bowl rings, you wouldn't expect him to really just throw in the towel that easily. Like, we'll talk about this more once we get deeper into divisions and teams, but I, I really – does not look good for the New England Patriots going into the 2020-2021 season. Um, so, yeah, I was just I was super disappointed with the New England Patriots, and for that reason, they are my losers of the 2020 NFL draft. Ooh, that's uh, – see, I'm not even going to lie. <clears throat> I read a whole bunch of things where they kept listing the Patriots as uh, as losers, and I couldn't bring myself to it because I've been brainwashed – <laughs> that like that Bill, even though I don't like Bill Belichick, that he can right. just take obscure players, and right. it's not going to matter, and he's going to ball out. Um, but I couldn't get past what you had said. Let me go back to their draft. Um, side note: I'm a huge Kyle Duggar fan. After I watched some of his film, I wouldn't have minded had the Browns taken him if he was available, depending on who was who was left. I'm glad with who we got, which we'll talk about. But uh, fun fact about him: Lenore Ryan was coached by Danny Kronick, who was a uh, coach at Reinhardt oh, wow. University yeah. where we where we where we went uh he's he was the so when you were there the dad was the head coach after the dad left after two years he became um the head coach and okay. succeeded at Reinhardt got hired at Lenore Ryan is now the head coach at Mercer but he coached Kyle Duggar um, yeah. And out of the three scholarships that Kyle Duggar had coming out of high school, I know all this because I Googled him because I didn't know he was from Georgia. <laughs> um, and of his three scholarships, it was Lenore Ryan, uh, Barry, and Reinhardt University. Um, so for those reasons alone, I hope Kyle Duggar succeeds. But yeah. I do agree. The, the one big thing I agree with is the fact – I'm not surprised they didn't take a quarterback. I think that they were going to be sold on um, – I, I I thought for them it was going to be Jordan Love. Once they traded back after Jordan Love was taken, mm-hmm. I decided, okay, they wanted Jordan Love. They see no one else they want to spend the first round with. Let's get some picks. 
And so I thought their next one was going to be Jalen Hurts. Um, but yeah. when they took a safety instead of him, I, I think I'm, – I'm guessing with that fifth pick in the second round, they must have thought that was too early for a Jalen Hurts. And then once Jalen Hurts came off the board, which we're going to talk about under um, under our storyline scenario, because that's the one I want to discuss. Um, yeah. Um, I think once he came off the board, I mean, he must have not liked any of the other quarterbacks. Either he really trusts Jared Stidham or they're going to try and target um, Cam Newton in free agency. Because, yeah. I mean, after, after Jalen came off the board, he must not have liked – from or um or Ethan because they were there forever. Um I don't know. But I think From would have maybe been a good fit there. But all yeah, that to yeah. say, now that you break that down, the two tight ends didn't surprise me because he loves his tight ends and he just traded one away. Um the kicker surprised me because when I clicked on him because I had never heard about him when he got drafted I was like, who is this guy? Because no one had taken the kid from Georgia Southern who was rated number one. No one had taken Blankenship from um, from Georgia who was rated yeah. number two. And then I don't even know who the number three rated kid was, but he wasn't drafted there either. It was some kid from Marshall. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 can, I can agree with that. I'll, I'll co-sign on that. Um, all right, here we go. My loser. I debated between two. I'll tell you who the two were and then who I came down to. Uh, the two I juggled between was the Las Vegas Raiders and the yeah. Chicago Bears. Yeah. Um, after analyzing both of their depth charts and rosters, I decided one of them had a worse draft than the other, and I decided that the Bears had a worse draft than the Raiders. Yeah. Um, the thing I didn't like about the Raiders, and I'm not going to spend long on because they're not my pick, is the fact that three of their first four picks were all wide receivers when they had some other needs. And then they took some guy named Damon Arnett uh, in the first round yeah. that, I, that yeah. was trouble and then came back and then was supposed to go in like the second and third round. I don't know. And they took rugs over Judy and, um, and C.D. Lane. It was just confusing. But moving on to the team that I thought was had the worst draft, <laughs> the Chicago Bears. The Bears who, on their roster at quarterback, still sits Mitchell Trubisky, and behind him, Nick Foles. Um, <laughs> the Chicago Bears that has now, after the draft, 10 tight ends on their roster. The <laughs> Chicago Bears who did nothing to upgrade their wide receiver help for either Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles, whoever the starter is going to be. The Chicago Bears, who are sticking it out with Tarek Cohen and David Montgomery, that was not successful last year. The Chicago Bears, who is sitting with a nose tackle who I've never heard of. Um, (laughs) they, they, I mean, they have so many holes. The only thing they're set is linebacker, and it appears um, their, their DBs are, are, are pretty decent. And they drafted a DB. And, like, when did, when did they take Jalen Johnson? In, like, the second round? Yeah, they had two second-round picks. Yeah. They took their 10th tight end in Cole Met, or, uh, which, who may be good. Um, he was the first-rated tight end, uh, got a grade of, a, of, of 85. They took him with their first pick, uh, which I thought was a solid pick until the TV reminded me that they now have 10 tight ends on their roster. And I was like, obviously not an immediate need. 
Um, after they paid Jimmy Graham bank, um, they signed him and gave him lots of money to try and be the old Jimmy Graham. Then they turned around and drafted Jalen Johnson, cornerback, who their DB field right now is Kyle Fuller, uh, Deion Bush at safety, Eddie Jackson at safety, and Artie Burns at cornerback. Um, I mean, he may, they may play him on some nickel, but, uh, not necessarily the immediate need there in the second round. Um, yeah. they didn't, they, and they drafted another cornerback, the kid from Georgia Southern, who's a solid pick. Um, they, they didn't get any offensive help for their quarterbacks. They did take a, a wide receiver in Darnell Mooney in the fifth round. Um, you know, it was a deep, deep draft class, but he he's a fifth-round pick, 5'10 receiver, yeah. so he's a short guy, which nothing wrong with short guys, but uh, I guess Car- I guess Cordell and Allen Robinson, I don't know how tall Allen Robinson is, but the fact that as deep as this draft is um, at wide receiver, that they didn't try and go after one of them with their early pick in the second round. Um, they didn't get their quarterbacks any help. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky needs someone where he can just throw it in their area. He, he, he needs a Calvin Johnson because he is not accurate. He needs to be able to throw it near somebody for them to come down with it. Do not ask him to place the ball anywhere because he's not going to do it. Um, Nick Foles, I don't know what they're getting in Nick Foles. Nick Foles so far right. is only good in the playoffs. Um, I don't know what he's going to do. I, I think he'll win the spot over Trubisky, to be honest, but that's not saying much. Um, and the, they they could have, in my opinion, they could have went out there in, in the the fifth round and maybe uh, snagged one of those quarterbacks who was dropping. Um, yeah, their third their third string quarterback is um, <clears throat> I think it said Tyler Bray, who that Tyler Bray from Tennessee, who's been in the NFL for a minute, but is nothing more than a, a backup or third rounder. Why not bring one of those quarterbacks in to try and beat them out for the third spot? Who knows? They may even surprise you and take the fourth spot. You had Eason and Fromm both out there for a long time. I don't fault them yeah. for not wanting to try and trade up and get a quarterback. They lost their first-round pick whenever they traded for Khalil Mack, um, which looks like a phenomenal pick. Uh, the year they were good. Um, and then last year, you know, Trubisky became Trubisky. I don't know why they didn't just take their chances with a fifth-round pick, try and bring in one of those quarterbacks who had, who had slid. Um, and who knows, maybe you find a dime in there. Um, they come out, they perform better than, than your other two, and then you might be set. Um, or <laughs> I don't see, and I don't think they're going to be so bad that they're going to be even in the Lawrence fields, whatever, sweepstakes. Their defense is too right. good to be that bad. Um, it just nothing made sense to me. Um, they they didn't really address offensive line to protect. Uh, I I would I mean they drafted two offensive linemen, but it was later in the draft. Um, the reason I say they should probably, uh, and this is going to sound very unanalytical of me, but I am not familiar with any of those names on the line, <laughs> and so. <laughs> If I'm not familiar with at least one, in my opinion, I guess they um, they need some help. Um, They're also sitting here when they took those two cornerbacks. Ooh, let me count how many cornerbacks they have on their roster right now after drafting two. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve cornerbacks 
10 tight ends, but they couldn't spend one pick on a wide <laughs> or they, they spent only one pick on a wide receiver. It just didn't make sense to me. I, um, I don't know what they were doing. Uh, they, uh, I, I just, I don't know. Maggie is going to have to either work a miracle or somehow this poor draft is going to end up costing him his job. He had a great season two years ago. They were not good last year. They're not going to be good this year. Um, I just, it's bad. It's really bad. And they're, they're in a conference with Green Bay and the Vikings and the Lions. Um, I, man, you got two teams that are going to beat you down anyway with the, I think with the Vikings and, um, and Green Bay. You're not coming out of the division. Um, you're not getting a wild card spot, even with the added wild card spot. It's just, it's not looking good for you. You should have gotten some playmakers to help out your, your quarterback. Um, it's not good. What are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah, that, re- that's a really good analysis on your part. Um, they didn't make my – so I picked like five losers um, just to kind of give myself options. They didn't make the five list, but they weren't uh, They weren't too far. Um, and as I listened to you break it down um, – yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not good. Not not good. No, they um, they didn't they didn't make my radar at all. And then all suddenly I came across and I remembered them uh, saying that they now have ten tight ends. And I was like, well, let me go look at their draft. And I was like, who are their wide receivers? They didn't take one. And I went to the roster yeah. and I was like, oh, this is my loser. They are not going to be good. <laughs> That defense will be all right, but that offense is not going to do anything. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, you know, I, I actually like the Jalen Johnson pick. Um, I I would have liked for the Falcons to take him, and I think we could have taken him in the second round, which obviously we took a corner in the first round. But anyways, um, I, I like Jalen Johnson. Um, and Cole, I guess you said his last name is pronounced Matt. I don't really know. I'm glad that you said it because I would have sounded dumb trying to say his name. <laughs> um it's you know it's one of those things where like because um, Matt Nagy comes from the Andy Reid tree and there's the Andy Reid always has like good tight ends um, and they use their tight ends a lot. You look at John Harbaugh from uh, Baltimore; he uses the tight ends a lot. Um, Matt Nagy likes to use the tight ends, so you're really hoping that this kid Cole Met out of Notre Dame. You're really hoping that he's really good, but. They had ten tight ends, it, but the the problem is like it, it doesn't. It makes you look really bad the fact that you had nine tight ends on your roster and still felt the need to to draft a tight end because that shows right there that you don't trust at least eight of those tight ends to yeah. be anything. Um, well, and you know they go ahead. Well, I say, and the fact that like um, he kid may be a stud. Kid, kid may right. be an absolute monster, but with the exception of like the the select few, the exception of your um, uh, oh, what's his name, the kid from San Fran. Um, yeah. Oh my goodness! There we go. Outside of your Kittles, your Gronks in his prime, um, mm-hmm. there are not many tight ends that, for the mere fact of being on the roster makes the roster or makes the offense that much better. I would even argue that that right. as we saw this year, as great as Zach Ertz is, 
He's not yeah. one of those. Like, the, yeah. the, the offense was whenever they had to come down and play a whole bunch of the third stringers, just having him out there did not make their offense dangerous. And right. they already are paying Graham so much money. They had, they signed Demetrius Harris, who we had last right. year, who was a solid tight end. I actually scored about five touchdowns for us. Um, I just thought they had greater need, which I was, I mean, Harris moving on, I was not upset about that because I, right. I, I did not. Anyway, um, <laughs> but you had, if you believed in Jimmy Graham giving him that money and you had somebody who was productive for the Browns last year, um, I understand your intrigue with getting a nice young tight end, which Harris isn't, I don't think he's that young and Jimmy Graham is getting old. But I, I just, I don't know. There's tight ends later on. Like there's one that we stole that is supposedly like a stud. You could have waited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that, yeah. yeah, that's, and that last point is a really solid point. Uh, Harrison Bryant that the Browns took, I think I'm pretty sure in the fifth round, um, who was, I think the most productive tight end in college football last year. Yeah. Um, they got him in the fifth round. So, I mean, that's a really good point on your part, that if you wanted a tight end or felt like you needed to have a tight end, the most productive tight end in the in college football last year was went in the fifth round. So, yeah, um, I mean, I guess if you need a tight end, one thing's for sure that they have tight ends and corners to spare. Um, so, I don't know, maybe they'll just. <laughs> I don't know what you can do with a. If you need one, go call them. (laughs) Yeah, they'll uh, they can they can they can spare a couple tight ends and corners. Yeah, but no, uh, yeah. Listening to you break it down, you're right. The the Chicago Bears had a terrible, terrible draft. Um, So yeah, and and, and too, like the Vikings and the Lions both had really good drafts. To me, Uh, the Packers had a terrible draft. So just like you're saying. Um, it's already a tough division with the Packers and the Vikings. Um, and then I, to me, at least Detroit made the, the moves and the steps or whatever here so far in the off season that they needed to make to, I think, jump over the Chicago Bears. Um, so now not only are you competing with the, with the Packers and the Vikings, now you're looking at Detroit who got a lot better, um, this past off season. And so you're going to be the fourth worst team in that division. So yeah, not, not good from the Chicago Bears at all, especially since two years ago they were a playoff team that won 12 games. So. All right. <laughs> Those are our losers. Chime in when you listen. Let us know who you thought your losers were. Do you agree with us or not? Uh, those are our own opinions. Uh, but now let's move on to who did it right. Um, and I who, – who won the draft? Um, mine came down to – who became really more dangerous or drastically improved. Um, I will tell you, I did not go a biased route here. In fact, when I tell you the team, you're going to be like, oh, you definitely didn't go a biased route. Um, The team, even though I'll tell you how I thought the Browns did, but the team I thought that absolutely crushed the draft this year was the Baltimore Ravens. Yep. They, I mean, with every pick they made, I was like, somebody stop this team. Because they are good. <laughs> First off, with the 28th pick, they sat there, and a guy that we raved about, a guy that's going to be a great linebacker, we feel, um, who has the speed, who's going to play sideline to sideline, 
uh, Patrick Queen got snagged, got snagged up with the 28th pick to the Ravens. And I was like, okay, yeah. they needed a, <laughs> they needed a linebacker. There they go. And then we get to the near the end of the second round and they take JK Dobbins. And I was like, all right, who allowed yeah. that to happen? Because <laughs> they already have Mark Ingram, uh, and he's going to be there for a little bit. Now they have somebody who is of great running back caliber to be behind him and to have a, a two-headed monster. You're going to have to tell me about this next pick, or not next pick, the one after that. Um, they picked up a defensive tackle to help fortify the front of that line. They picked up, uh, later on, they grabbed a uh, linebacker who Browns fans really wanted in Malik Harrison. Um, yeah. We ended up not knowing Malik Harrison, and Browns fans were not happy um, my guess, I, I didn't really know much about Malik Harrison, um, but people from Cleveland obviously watched Big Ten football, and they were like, Malik Harrison is there, you have to take him. And then once the Ravens were able to get him, because we did not draft him, Browns fans were angry, because now we have to play him <laughs> twice a year. But they have now solidified two big needs in the middle linebacker area, um, and they still have LJ Fort on their roster, and they got Matt Judon in free agency, and uh, this wide receiver, you're going to talk about this guy, I don't know much about him, Devin uh, Duvernay from Texas? Yep, yep. I heard he's a stud, is he a stud? Yeah, he's he's somebody who, um, he really helped his draft stock uh, this year, but then especially in the combine, um, he's a really solid wide receiver. I could talk about him for hours, man. Um, he was really productive for us. He was easily our best receiver. He's 5'11", 200 pounds. He ran a 4'3". Um, he was a track star in high school. Um, he was actually recruited to run track at Baylor. Um, so, yeah, uh, he's, he's going to be really good for, uh, for Lamar Jackson. Uh, he caught 106 passes last year. Or, uh, yeah balls last year so uh yeah he's super reliable he's gonna be really good for them as a player. yeah this receiver. this this team especially how much they focused on the front seven i mean they took that kid from a&m um i'm not going to butcher his name justin uh <laughs> Mat- um and then two interior linemen um they got ran all over by in the playoffs and got upset and embarrassed by the tennessee titans and you can tell in this draft, they said, not again. Um, <laughs> and they did this, a, four, a 14 and two team that went into the draft with one mission, and it was to yeah. make sure they don't get smoked in the front seven again, and to make sure <laughs> that they reinforce some weapons in getting that uh, wide receiver out of Texas, getting J.K. Dobbins, and then everything at the end was, was fortifying the offensive line. It was another yeah. defensive tackle pick. It was another receiver pick. I mean, they just loaded up. And it wasn't – it's not necessarily going to be people who are going to be the watch out for them this year. Maybe Patrick Queen as he takes over um, at the linebacking court. But everybody else, you may hear their name, but there's going to be more weapons for either um, either for Lamar Jackson or – for the defense to stop the run. I mean, this team just got deeper. They were all solid picks. Every pick that happened, I was like, somebody stop the Ravens because they are about to <laughs> annihilate the league, and we have to play them twice a year, um, which is now making the AFC North look a little more um, dangerous, in my opinion, 
and causing it to be a little tougher <laughs> to win uh, if we thought they were good last year. Um, what do you think about Baltimore uh, with my winner of the draft? Yeah, man, um, I'll go ahead and make it easy. Baltimore was my winner as well. Oh, there it is. <laughs> so that uh, that just kind of doubles down on how, how good they were. Like you said, man, they absolutely um, destroyed this draft in a really good way. Um, not like the Patriots and Bears who destroyed it in a really bad way, but they, um, I'm like you, man. I was kind of looking at the grades this, this week or today, um, just trying to find the teams and it came down, it actually came down to the Ravens and the Cardinals and Cowboys for me. Um, but the thing that separated the Ravens was they had 10 picks. And as you go through looking down at their picks, it's just like a win, a win, a win, a win, a still, a still, a still, a still. Um, even somebody like, look at their first four picks. You look at Patrick Queen, J.K. Dobbins, Justin Matabuke, and Devin Duvernay. Every single one of those players were projected to be picked higher um, than the Ravens got them. Like Patrick Queen was being talked about taking in like, the early 20s, maybe mid-20s, but I don't think a lot of people expected him to drop to pick number 28, um, especially when there was a linebacker out of um, Texas Tech who the Seattle Seahawks took right before um, Patrick, right before the Baltimore Ravens took Patrick Queen there. Um, and while he is only a, a one-year starter at LSU, um, I think anybody who watched LSU last year knows that Patrick Coyne was a stud. Um, and the linebackers that have come from LSU over the past few years, Devin White, Deion Jones, um, Duke Riley, uh, some of these other linebackers, um, Patrick Coyne was just that next linebacker um, in what is really becoming a linebacker factory at LSU. So they they knocked it out with their first pick. Then J.K. Dobbins was being talked about as a first-round pick. Um, he dropped to the second round. I think he was maybe the fourth running back selected, um, which, you know, I, I saw a lot of people that didn't like that pick because they have um, Gus Edwards, they have Justice Hill out of Oklahoma State from last year, and then they have Mark Ingram. But the truth is Mark Ingram is 30 years old, and he's probably got one or two more years. Um, so this was kind of a pick for the future, but J.K. Dobbins can also catch the ball out of the backfield. And then he ran for 2,000 yards at Ohio State last year. Um, he's been super productive. He's had one of the most productive careers um, as a running back at Ohio State. I love them being able to take J.K. Dobbins. Then you look at Justin Madubuke out of A&M. Um, Baltimore does a really good job at de developing their defensive line. And so worst case scenario, this kid just gives them another person to plug into the rotation. Best case scenario, he joins Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf, um, to form a very strong and scary, um, defensive line. Um, who both of them, Derek Wolf and Calais Campbell, are both proven veterans who have been really good for a really long time. Um, so worst-case scenario, this kid sits behind Calais Campbell, gets developed for a couple of years, and then is just ready to take over. Um, he's 6'3", 300 pounds. Um, obviously, he played in the SEC. Um, so he was he's, he's just a really good 
a really good athlete and a really good player. And then, of course, Devin DuVernay, and not to sound like a homer, but um, I love <laughs> Devin DuVernay, obviously out of Texas. Um, and, again, you know, Mel Kiper was talking about Devin DuVernay being picked in the second round. Um, I was surprised that Devin DuVernay dropped that far, even though this was a super deep um, wide receiver class. There are a bunch of wide receivers that went before Devin DuVernay that I thought um, he could have picked before them. But even before the draft, um, a lot of people were talking about how if, if Baltimore could get – how Devin DuVernay would be a really good fit for Baltimore and how if they could get him in the second round, how that would be really good. So it seems that they got J.K. Dobbins. They stole J.K. Dobbins in the second round and then still ended up with Devin DuVernay. Um, he's going to be really good for Lamar Jackson. He's 5'11", 200 pounds. He's kind of like D.J. Moore out of Carolina. Um, and D.J. Moore, to me, is a better um, number two option than he is a number one option. So, Devin DuVernay, you're not asking him to to be your number one option with Marquise Brown. Um, and really, in the pecking order, you got Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, um, and then I think Devin DuVernay. And he's, he's going to be really good um, for the Baltimore Ravens. And then, like you talked about, Malik Harrison um, out of Ohio State, who was really good for them last year. Um, and then even, like, you look at their last two picks, James Prochet, maybe, out of uh, Southern um, – not Southern. What is it? SMU. SMU. Um, yeah. Um, he was he was a wide receiver that, if you watch SMU last year, um, he was a wide receiver that really stuck out to, for for them. Um, obviously they throw, they throw the ball a lot at, at SMU and James Perche had a really big year for them too. Um, uh, and then this kid, Geno Stone, I don't know too much about him, but as I was looking at, um, some of the draft analysis, um, this kid was supposed to go in, I think like the fourth or fifth round, they got him in the seventh round. Um, and he, he's supposed to be, he was, he's being, um, lauded by a lot of analysts as the biggest steal of the draft. Um, I saw somewhere where he was ranked in the top 150 maybe or 100, and they got him at pick 219. Um, I know Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network loved Geno Stone, um, and according to the tape, he was surprised that there weren't a lot of NFL um, teams that were that were big on him. So they just – I mean, they just knocked it out all the way through um, – so, yeah, not really too much to say other than we both picked the Ravens, so that means they had a really good draft. I was I was just like you talked about. They went 14-2 last year, um, and they somehow can, they still somehow got better um, this, <laughs> this draft. So, yeah. Yeah, they loaded down. Yeah. I, I would hate to be the, the Steelers. Um, the Browns had a good draft. Um, but I would hate to be the Steelers or Bengals because the Ravens just uh they ended any chance of the Ravens or of the Steelers and uh and Bengals competing with them and the Browns are gonna have to play their A game um with Baltimore. But I I'm excited, man, to see Baltimore versus uh your Cleveland Browns for next year and then for the next couple of years because they're both super deep teams. Um with a really good draft, which is a good transition into your 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 Cleveland Browns, but I'm excited to see those two teams go back and forth for the next few years because it's going to be exciting in the NFA. Oh, me too. I, I think uh, I think for the next years to come, as long as Stefanski is what I think he's going to be, 
that the especially with the added playoff team um, that there's going to be two teams out of the AFC North for a long yeah. time. Um, yeah. I, I, I do think that both us and the Ravens, given a NFL season happens, will both be in the playoffs next year. Um, yeah. All right. So there you have it. Our winner, as I said, if both of us, because we did not tell each other, if both of us <laughs> choose uh, the same person, obviously, in our opinion, that is the winner, and they are looking dangerous. Uh, we're going to move into analyzing how our teams did Um and then we'll pick a few storylines we want to talk about. We'll choose from the, the the main ones since time flies, man, when you're having fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, the transition to that he gave me. Nice, smooth transition there, Donatus, to the Cleveland Browns. Thank Ooh, you. It's like we've been doing this for a minute. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I went in to this draft with one thing on my mind, and it was that we absolutely – had to draft a uh, an offensive tackle. Um, anything else was inexcusable. Um, <laughs> and there was rumor that we were going to trade back, and I'd begun to talk into myself that, well, you know, supposedly they love Ezra Cleveland. If they trade back and get, like, a Xavier McKinney in the first round at, like, 15 or whatever, and then Cleveland in the – in the second round, I'll be okay. But no, they didn't, and they did not waver. I noticed one thing. I said all that to say this one thing of, of the Browns not wavering. It became the tenth pick. The second that it said the Cleveland Browns are on the clock, <laughs> the moment that graphic went away, the graphic, <laughs> the pick is in, came up. Obviously, they don't move that quickly, so they announced the pick a little bit later on because, you know, Ravens. <laughs> but – Right. At no time, at no time did it show the clock count down on us in the first round. And that's how I knew we are taking an offensive tackle. We are protecting Baker Mayfield. Who it was going to be, I did not know. The only person off the board at the time was Andrew Thomas. They come out, they announced the guy that I wanted. I wanted Andrew Thomas. They took him, my next guy in line. I know that I mock drafted works. But I decided by then my next guy in line was going to be Jedrick Wills is who I wanted. Uh, they announced it. They took it. It was who Joe Thomas wanted. And those of you who that know, he is the greatest left tackle of all time, straight out of Cleveland. Um, yeah. But he we did. took Jed, we, he, he did. And he, that's who he wanted. And he has now committed that he's going to – he's not going to coach, but he's going to work with Jedrick Wills to make that transition from right, right tackle yeah. to left tackle. Um, yeah. I know that's going to be a transition. That's some of the flags people raise. But he's used to protecting a blind side. Tua, left-handed quarterback, the right tackle at his point is the blind side. Um, everyone on Twitter from the team standpoint was blowing up, knowing we got the, we got the right pick. And then it got to us in the second round. Um, and I wanted Xavier McKinney. He got, he got snag, uh, snagged up by the Giants. But before us, Grant Delpit was still on the board. <laughs> That's who I wanted. We took Grant Delpit, who, um, without injuries and some some tackling issues this year, uh, was initially projected to be like a top 15 pick because of that injury, because of some of those issues, dropped all the way to the second round for us, um, where we were able to snag him up, solidifying our um, 
our DBs where we got Greedy, we got Denzel, we got Grant Delpit, um, and then the other safety position is, is kind of up for grabs. Then we solidified our front line with Jordan Elliott, who, uh, according to PFF, was ranked within, like, the top 100 players. So at um, – um, sorry, not 100, like top 60 players – um, so to snag a Jordan Elliott to solidify that defensive tackle spot, we didn't necessarily need one right now, but we took the Ravens approach as well. We went for some depth. We landed an inside linebacker in Jacob Phillips. Um, this is where I mentioned that, that Brown stands really wanted Harrison out of um, Ohio State. Uh, we went with Jacob Phillips out of LSU, uh, ranked number four in the position, um, supposedly also has some tackling issues. Um, but, you know, I believe that he's going to be able to, mainly because we had Mac Wilson come through as a fifth-round pick last year, um, really tore it up for us. I'm really going to have some faith here in, in, in Jacob Phillips because we really need an inside linebacker. Snagged the tight end uh, who was the most productive in all of college football. Uh, me and Don just talked a little bit about this. He mentioned, you know, us already having – two tight ends. Uh, one good thing about Stefanski, he loves two tight end sets. In my opinion, if we can get a third solid tight end and they can rotate through, we picked up Najoku's fifth-year option, so he'll be with us through 2021. Unless we trade him, we signed Austin Hooper. We got this kid who can catch, who can block, who can do it all out of Florida Atlantic. Um, that's just going to add to our danger. We, got, we snagged ourselves a center to help solidify the offensive line. We're fine at center. He's probably going to move more to to, to a guard position to, for extra help at center if he needs to. And then we were able to steal Donovan Peoples-Jones out of Michigan in the sixth round, originally projected to be a third, fourth-round pick, somehow dropped all the way to fourth. We were able to snag him up, which now, going back to my initial news of Hollywood Higgins coming back, this gives us a Browns team that's going to have Baker – at the quarterback, we have both of our tackles taken care of in Conklin and Wills. We have Chubb and Hunt in the backfield. We have Najoku, Hooper, um, and uh, Bryant at tight end. And our wide receivers are OBJ, Landry, Hollywood Higgins, and uh, DPJ. It is going to be an electric offense. Uh, Stefanski loves the run to open up the pass. It's going to give us all those weapons where you can't really – Look at one receiver. Uh, we have a solid line that's going to be able to block for our running backs. Uh, we solidify some of our defensive needs. Um, all in all, I'm giving my team an A in this draft. I think we I, – I, Andrew Barry in his first year as GM at the Cleveland Browns absolutely nailed it. Um, some of these may have been reaches. Um Mainly like Jacob Phillips, there was a Harrison on the board who I know has been more productive than Phillips. Um, but, you know, in Andrew Barry, we trust he has done nothing but good so far. He's not blowing up the team completely like most GMs do. He's keeping what's good. He's getting rid of what we can spare. And he is building pieces and depth, which is what we have severely been lacking. That's part of why our, our line was so bad is not only did we not have great players, but we also didn't have depth. We didn't really take much depth here, but we signed a bunch of people. Um, I thought we had an excellent draft. Um, 
this year, and given they can actually practice together, work together at some point during this offseason, I, I do genuinely this year feel like there's a chance we can sneak into a wild card spot. I'm not going to say win the division. As we've mentioned, the Ravens were too good. The Ravens were 14-2 <laughs> and two and just got better. Um, I look forward to those games, but I think we could sneak in a wild card spot this year. Uh, what did you think about my team, Dantas? Yeah, man. Um, I won't spend too much time on your team since you, you broke it down. But, um, you know, as I was looking at it, honestly, and I'm not just saying this because you're a Browns fan and I'm talking to you and I want you to continue to be my best friend, but <laughs> the Browns, the Browns, if, if they weren't like, if they weren't your team, the Browns, would have been in my top five teams easily um, for teams that have that one that won the NFL draft. Um, as you look at what they needed uh, and what they were able to accomplish with what they needed, and then as you look at you know as you look at picks like in the third, fourth, really the fourth through seventh round, you're looking for for players and picks who are. Um, who are going to be able to compete for starters, but are going to be really solid backups and, and special teams players, you know, as you get into the seventh round. Um, and what the Browns were able to do with what they needed, um, and then picking players who were, um, who are going to be able to compete for starting positions. I thought they did a phenomenal job. Um, Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski, um, in their first draft as a coach, um, uh, general manager um, tandem, I thought they knocked it out of the park, especially considering everything that, that we've had to go through, that they've had to go through, um, the kind of the tough parts with the um, the coronavirus and everything. I thought the Browns did a really phenomenal job drafting. Um, Jedrick Wills, like you talked about, out of Alabama, um, who's a man-child, um, <laughs> standing at 6'5", 320, he ran a five flat 40 uh, and then his vertical leap was 34 and a half um he's an athlete and a half dude um and then grant delpit man again just like how i could talk about devin duvernay for hours i could talk about grant delpit for hours i know that he did not have a good um a good year this year but part of it like we talked like we texted about was he was injured um he won the jim thorpe award last year um, as a top safety in the, uh, in the, in the NCAA. Um, you know, obviously hindsight's always 2020, but, you know, looking back, he probably should have came out last year. Um, he would have been a top 15 pick last year easily. Um, so like I told you through text, you guys got a guy who's supposed to be a top 15 pick. Um, you got him in the second round at pick 44. Um, I think that's going to be, and as we look into like, uh, you know, three to five to ten years down the road, I think if Grand Delpit can stay healthy, we'll look back and see that that was one of the biggest steals um, of the of the 2020 NFL draft. Um, Jordan Elliott, he started his career at Texas. Um, he was a – and then he transferred, obviously, to Missouri. I was trying to figure out where I'd heard his name before, and I clicked on his name and saw that he had started at Texas and then transferred. Um, six four three hundred pounds um was highly recruited coming out of out of high school um but again you know that just he just gives he's going to give you guys depth um at uh, on the defensive line and he gets the um 
he gets to play or sit behind um, Larry Ogunjobi, um, Miles Garrett, and then you know some of those other people. And I think I think the Browns did like a rotation last year. So yeah, um, worst case scenario, he'll be a rotation player. He's going to be able to come in and play you know two or three downs and be productive. Um, I imagine he's going to be a big run stopper for you guys um, there in the middle of the uh, of the defensive line. Jacob Phillips was a I think a two or three year starter at LSU. Um, again, LSU linebackers are always going to be really good. So um, I think best case scenario for you guys, if he ends up being a starter, he's going to be a really good starter. Worst case scenario, he can come in and and provide backup help for you guys. Um, and then Harrison Bryant obviously was the most productive tight end um, coming out of Florida Atlantic. And, and then even like your center that you drafted, Nick Harris, I, I saw where a lot of places had him as the third-ranked center, um, third or fourth-ranked center, and you guys got him in the fifth round. Um, and then uh, and then Donovan Peoples-Jones just gives you guys another uh, another playmaker for, for Baker Mayfield. So I thought you guys had a really great draft, man. I was really um, – I don't know that I was surprised, but I, w- I was really impressed with, with what you guys were able to do with the picks that you guys had. Um, so, yeah, man, I, 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 I'm right there with you. I'd give you guys an A. Um, easily an A for for the draft that you guys had. You guys, did, they had a really good draft. Uh, the Browns did. So I agree. <laughs> I'm right. excited. I'm excited to watch them play. All right, yeah. now we we have we've texted about this a little bit. Everybody, buckle in. Your Atlanta Falcons, <laughs> how they do? <laughs> so, dang man. Um, I've 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 been able to calm down a little bit um, <laughs> since draft night. Um, let me I, I'm going to give you guys because I know we're we're kind of getting close to time and I don't want to take too long on this. Um, but just a quick backstory to set up this story. Um, <laughs> here, the Atlanta Falcons traded into the first round to take Caleb McGrary. Um, and, you know, he's like, I think he's like 6'8", 300 pounds. That's not the point. The point is we traded into the first round to take a um, a tackle who was, who had like a, a 70 grade and was supposed to go in the third or fourth round. We traded into the first round to take him. So coming into this draft, um, we really just needed a uh, a defensive end and we needed a corner. And we were expected to address both those needs with our first two picks. Um, the majority of Falcons fans wanted Calavion Chasen out of LSU. Uh, and, of course, they didn't listen to the fans. They took A.J. Terrell out of Clemson. Um, and I could really go on a rant about that pick, but I, I'm, I'm not going to because we're already close to an hour and I really want to get into some of these storylines. So you guys can uh you guys can, can thank the, the clock that I won't spend too much time on AJ Terrell. Long story short, I don't have a problem necessarily with AJ Terrell himself. I have a problem with where we picked him. Um Mel Copper said that that was one of the biggest reaches in the past few years, taking AJ Terrell at pick number sixteen. Um AJ Terrell, we could have gotten him in the second round. Um, I think we had like 
pick number 14 in the second round. We could have gotten A.J. Terrell at that point, but we reached for him um, for whatever reason. So uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on him, but I think, you know, the rest of our picks were pretty good. Um, we took Marlon Davidson out of Auburn, um, who there was somebody last year who said that he, you know, he loves playing football because, um, you know, like you pretty much get to assault people on, on the field. That was Marlon Davidson. Um, while I don't stand behind and I don't condone violence, I love that that's his mentality. Um, just because he's a, he's a baller, dude. And I think, He's uh he's six three two hundred seventy eight pounds. Um, he played defensive end. We're probably going to bump him down to defensive tackle to play alongside Grady Jarrett. Um, but I love that pick in the second round. Um, I'll switch to on would have been better. But anyways, uh, so Marlon Davidson was a really good pick, and then we were able to get Matt Hennessy, a center out of Temple. I like that pick because um. He's going to be able to – so he, he can play guard and center. He's going to be able to compete for guard, for a starting guard position this year. But mainly he's going to be able to sit behind Alex Mack um, and kind of learn how to become a, a better center. And then he's going to be our center of the future. Um, so I love that we were able to get our center of the future in the third round. He was a third-ranked center coming into the draft. Um, and I think him spending time under Alex Mack, who's been really good for so long, is going to help Hennessy um, be be productive in the in the future. Um, we got Michael Walker, a linebacker out of uh, Fresno State. We've been good being able to pick linebackers in um, in later rounds. Obviously, Deion Jones was a second round pick. Uh, Duke Riley didn't pan out the way that we wanted him to, but then Foye Aladakun or something like that. Um, he was pretty good for us last year. So I think Michael Walker is going to be good as well. And then Jalen Hawkins out of, uh, out of Cal, um, I think is going to be a good, um, a good safety slot corner, whatever position. Um, and then, so of course, just for the heck of it, we took a punter in the seventh round. Because <laughs> why wouldn't you take a punter in the seventh round? Because you don't get to pick undrafted free agents. That's not a thing at all. So it's not like you can get a punter then. So of course, you have to spend a pick taking a punter. Um, so I really hated our first pick and our seventh and our last pick, but I loved all of our picks in between. So, um, I was going to give the Falcons a C plus, but I a lot of the things that I looked at gave them like the highest I gave them was a B. The highest I saw was a B plus, the lowest I saw was a B minus. So I would, I guess I would give them a, a B minus, like a grade level. I'd probably give them like an eighty or an eighty one. Um, but we could have done really good. Like we 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 had the opportunity to come away with Kalevon Chason and Travon Diggs. And we came away with AJ Terrell and Marlon Davidson. So, given what we could have done, um, definitely not not what I thought we we should have been able to do. And so that's why I would I would give them a low B, uh, a high C. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my Falcons. They always <laughs> they always set you up to get really excited. You know, like they know that we're all sheltered in place. Everybody in Atlanta, there's nowhere we can go. Um, we've been so sheltered in place for weeks. The draft was the one thing that we're looking for. The Falcons built us up, talking about training into the top ten, talking about trying to make a trade with the, with the Washington Redskins. 
And so you're really excited. You know that this is going to be the year that they know exactly what they're going to do. And then with the 16th pick, they take A.J. Terrell, and you just fall flat on your face. So, uh, yeah, leave it to the Falcons to build you up only to tear you back down. That's all I got. All right, here's the – Let me say this. Let me say this. Um, if A.J. does not pan out this year, that's going to be the pick that doomed Thomas Dimitrov. Like, that's going to be the pick that causes him to end, to, to lose his job. That's all I've got. Can, go ahead. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm only going to say two things about the Falcons, and we'll go to storyline. <laughs> First, Matt Hennessy's going to be all right. <laughs> Alex Mack is one of the best centers in the game. He's a former Brown, and I endorse the fact that Alex Mack could teach him how to be a good pro center. Yeah. My second thing about the Falcons, I'm going to read this directly from the website, ESPN.com. See, I don't... Get on to me for plagiarism. <laughs> this is draft analysis, pre-draft analysis for the seventh round punter selection. Don't know how to say his last name. I'm going to say Hoffrister is a small punter with smaller hands. Nice. But he has above average leg strength, and he's accurate. He connected on three of his four career field goal attempts, and he connected on a 52-yard field goal attempt in 2019. He gets good distance on his kickoffs, and that is it. That is the Falcons. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The fact they didn't have enough pre-draft analysis to begin talking about his field goal kicks as he's a punter, (laughs) and the fact that it began with a small punter, with smaller hands. <laughs> That's exactly what you want in a punter. Um, I yeah, honestly did not. Everybody. I didn't. The ones I, I, I the, I'm going to say one thing, and that's it. I, I did not hate the AJ um, Terrell pick. Um, he's from Fulton County, from Atlanta, Georgia. He tore it up at West Lake. Um, I think he had more good than bad at Clemson. Um, I think he will pleasantly surprise Falcons fans who are upset. Um, and that's it. I, I know I saw that pick, and I was like, okay, that's not bad. And then I get a text from Donatus that's fuming, and I was like, did not, did not expect that. I thought that was an okay pick, but you go ahead. And of course, I know y'all needed an edge rusher, and that did not cross my mind, the fact that y'all didn't take Clavon Chason, who was sitting there, um, available still, um, who was like a top t- or a top 15 projected player, ended up dropping a few more picks. Um, but, yeah, so I would default to the Falcons fan. When y'all took A.J. Terrell, I was like, okay, okay. And then I got a text, and I was like, oh, oh, no, oh, no. Um <laughs> But no, I, I agree. I think I'll give him a, a, a B, low B pick or, or, or yeah. draft. Um, I'm not going to go through each player. Uh, you did a good job covering those. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see if the Falcons can throw anything together for supplement uh, for the remainder yeah. of this offseason because I looked at who had the least amount of 
of cap space left, and the Falcons have like $2 million, and that's it. Yeah. So there's not many people that they're going to be able to throw that money at. Um, and they they need help. Um, yeah. And so we'll see how they do. So we're going to move into our, our storylines. We're getting close to an hour 10, so we will choose uh, a few to cover briefly. Um, we're just going to quick fire them um, so we can get into some of them. I know one that we mentioned was the – I know we mentioned the foul, or the Patriots passing up on a quarterback, so we'll go ahead and skip down to one of the more head-scratching picks from people. I didn't think it was that bad of a pick. Donatus does not agree. Uh, Jordan Love taken by the, the Packers. Um, that storyline and scenario, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I don't hate it, but I do hate it at the same time because of who picked him and the fact that they traded up to pick him. Um, I think they traded up to pick him. Maybe they didn't trade up to pick him. I don't remember. But I, I just, I, they have Aaron Rodgers. And so I, I get that Aaron Rodgers is 35, 36 years old. Um, and I think that their thought process is they took Aaron Rodgers and had him sit behind Brett Favre and look at how good Aaron Rodgers ended up being. And so I think that they're planning on doing the same thing. I just think it was an insult to Aaron Rodgers to take Jordan Love, given like all the um, the comparisons and the the praise and like how how quickly Jordan Love's stock was rising. I just didn't think that the Packers needed to be the team to pick Jordan Love, um, but I think I mean and and Aaron Rodgers is so competitive that he's really not going to spend time developing Jordan Love. Um, he's going to be like, uh, who was it? Was it Ben Roethlisberger who, when the, when the Steelers took Mason Rudolph, Roethlisberger was like, yeah, I don't have time to mentor him. Um, he can pretty much figure it out for himself. And I kind of feel like yeah. that's how Aaron Rodgers is going to treat Jordan Love. Like, I don't have time to mentor him. He can figure it out for himself. Um, the thing that scares me about this is I've heard a lot of teams, a lot of people talking about how the, the Patriots are going to trade for Aaron Rodgers, which we don't need. So if that happens, I'm going to be super pissed at the Packers because they did this to the rest of us by taking Jordan Love. <laughs> so I don't, I don't hate it. I just, I didn't understand it. They needed a wide receiver. They didn't take a wide receiver at all. Um, they could have gone wide receiver there. I just, I didn't get, I didn't understand that pick. So anyways, what's your analysis? So I don't hate it. I actually liked the pick. I liked who it came by too. I think that he went to, uh, for Jordan Love to be successful. He didn't need to go early. Um, he's, he's very talented. From everything I've heard and seen, he's very talented, but he's very raw. Uh, so he's going to need to be groomed before he can start. Um, Aaron Rodgers is 36 years old. You know, he's, uh, they just drafted him around the same time. They drafted Love around the same time or the equivalent of when they took Rodgers to replace, um, to replace uh, Brett Favre. Brett Favre was 35 when they took Rodgers in the in the first round. Uh, in this scenario, Rodgers is 36 when they're taking Love. I think Rodgers is still there for a solid one to two seasons uh, while they work on um, Jordan Love. They they saw you know Rodgers sit for three years behind Brett Favre before moving on. I think the ownership is going to look the same thing here. What did surprise me is that they followed up that pick with a running back instead of a wide receiver. Uh, they had Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones was right. fine. Um, they didn't need to take a running back there. They needed a wide receiver who would, A, help Aaron Rodgers right now 
and B, be there when Jordan Love does take over. Uh, so therefore right. you have, you, you have talented receivers to get used to the system, uh, that the new coach is putting in, um, and to be able to help assist a young new quarterback. Um, I was contrary to what everyone else was saying. Everybody else hated the pick, uh, on, on social media. Uh, Packers fans hated it because they know they need a receiver. But at some point, man, you gotta address that quarterback need or else you're gonna be in quarterback limbo. And sure. if his upside is like everyone says, which is, uh, Mahomes-like, then why yeah. not go ahead and take him now and begin grooming him for that offense? Uh, I just don't know why they didn't take a wide receiver later on. Um, yeah. That was my only qualms with the Packers draft was that they didn't take a receiver, kind of like the Patriots who did not take a receiver but need one. Um, well, and the Packers are really hoping that um, that Jordan Love ends up like Patrick Mahomes like the rest of us were saying, and not Josh Allen, like you were saying. <laughs> I never said that. I don't recall I don't recall that ever being said on this podcast by any of the hosts. Um, Mahomes is who you're supposed to be like. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, if he ends up like Josh Allen, they're going to be big <laughs> yeah, I mean, Josh Allen isn't bad, but he's not Mahomes. I mean, when you're getting promised a kid who could be Mahomes level and he turns out like Josh Allen, then yes, I'm angry. But Allen is not bad by any means. Right. <laughs> All right, next, next storyline. Uh, Jalen Hurts was taken in the second round by the Philadelphia Eagles while they still have um, Carson Wentz, who has only been in the league for like, Five years. What do you think? Yeah. What's your take? Again, I I love Jalen Hurts, man. And I'm going to go ahead and say that, like, I was really hoping that he'd go to, like, the Patriots um, or another team because I, I think that Jalen Hurts had or has the opportunity, and this is going to be a bold that we can get into, but I think he has the opportunity to be the best quarterback um, taken in this draft as you look at his NFL career. Um, now, obviously, that was before he got touched by the Eagles. So the only problem that I have with the pick is I don't like that he went to the Eagles. Um, but had he gone, you know, anywhere else, I, I love Jalen Hurts, man. Um, but at the same time, I I love I like that the that the Eagles were um, gutsy enough to take Jalen Hurts um, because one, I think it sends a message to Carson Wentz that yes, we still believe in you, but in case in case you feel like you can get comfortable, we've got a stud behind you that's going to push you to compete harder. And while he may not take your position next year, he could very well take your position the following year. Um, I think Jalen Hurts, after spending time with Doug Peterson um, for, you know, two or three years, I think it's going to be really good for Jalen Hurts' career. Um, so, I, you know, I – I don't, I don't absolutely love it, but I don't hate it either. Um, I mean, I, I guess as far as like, as a pick number or grade, I would probably give them like an A minus on taking Jalen Hurts in the second round. Um, just because it's kind of like, well, if nobody else is going to take him and he's there, like, why wouldn't we take him? Um, and I think they'll use him some. Um, this upcoming year, they'll continue to develop him, and I think Jalen Hurts is going to end up being really good um, for years to come. So that's my quick analysis of it. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. Both of us went on the record. We, we, we both loved the, the – and we texted about this several times. Uh, I do wish that the Patriots would have been able to snag him. Um, though I'm not a big Patriots or, or Belichick fan, I would have loved to see what Belichick could do with him. Uh, I was actually really stunned when I was sitting there watching the draft and his name was announced for the Eagles. I thought they had greater needs. Um, I thought they could have spent, they could have taken the Raiders route and used, uh, a lot of their first picks on wide receivers because they need them. Right. Um, right. I, I was surprised that they took him in the second round. I wouldn't have been surprised if he was still sitting there in the fourth round if they were like, I mean, if he's still here. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah. I, I think they'll put in special packages for him. Um, but I do think even though, uh, one of our friends, Andy Heist, uh, has mentioned to me that uh, that there's no way that Hurts takes Wentz's spot. Wentz has been one of the most productive, uh, outside of injury, um, productive wide receivers, not wide receivers, quarterbacks in the NFL uh, when he's been healthy, uh, which is true. I mean, Wentz has tore it up, but Wentz also has been had two major injuries um, over the past few years, which has put him yeah. out of the playoffs. And I think last year when he went down – and they didn't have a reliable backup. They had, I believe it was Josh McCown was their backup, um, which I like Josh McCown and all, but he's not going to win you a playoff game. I think they saw that, and they realized the benefit of having a reliable backup, like when they had in Nick Foles. Um, I think they're going to groom him, and he'll be a solid backup if Wentz goes down. And in the scenario where Wentz does go down, and then he balls out, and then they look at the options of, you know, we can keep – you know, we could have Wentz, who keeps going down, or maybe we can then move on to this Jalen Hurts. I don't think he's a career backup. I do think in some no. scenario, whether it's in Philadelphia or some other team trades for him that's in a quarterback need, um, I do think Jalen Hurts has a successful career. And I don't think it's too bold of a statement of you to say that he could be one of the most productive or um, or um, successful quarterbacks when it's all said and done out of this draft class, um, he was able to work with uh, Alabama and Oklahoma with some excellent QB coaches, um, and I think that he is going to have a good career. I just It was puzzling with who took him, not necessarily yeah. where he was taken, but who the team was that pulled the trigger. I was really pulling for the Patriots to take him, um, and, when they, and when he was taken by the Eagles, I was, I was a little shocked. Um, I are there any other uh any other uh, storylines that you wanted to to discuss? Those were the two major ones I could think of. Uh mainly cuz you yeah. mentioned the Packers and then I was stunned by Jalen Hurts. No, I mean the only other two that I had were there was a bunch of reaches that we saw in the in the first round that kind of surprised me. Um you saw the Falcons take AJ Terrell, you saw the Dolphins take Austin Jackson. The Raiders mm-hmm. took Damon Arnett. Um, the Seahawks took Jordan Brooks. The Titans took Isaiah Wilson. Um, and then the Dolphins took Noah. Oh, man. Igo Boigne <laughs> or something like that. Sounds good to me. Um, so, I don't know. I guess, you know, the first 10 to 15 picks um, were kind of picks that you expected to happen. Um, and then you had the Falcons take A.J. Terrell, which, you know, Again, not a terrible pick, but kind of, I think most people would agree, was still kind of a reach. Um, and then the Dolphins right after kind of took a reach on Austin Jackson. I think that they could have gotten him in the second round. 
Um, and then the Raiders took Damon Arnett. I, I don't even know anything about the guy. Um, so that kind of <laughs> surprised me. Um, and then the only other thing, I, well, I don't know if you wanted to respond to the to the reaches in the first round. Um, see, I, I don't know. I know that Isaiah Wilson, there were better tackles on the board, so I was surprised that he went. Um, same with the guy, the kid that um, from Auburn that Miami took, though, the more I looked into it, um, yeah. supposedly that was actually a good pick. My biggest one that I thought was a reach, um, not necessarily where he went, but who he went in front of was Henry Ruggs. Um, yeah. And with Judy and Lamb on the board, I was surprised that he yeah. – Went first. Um, I think the Raiders really just wanted a burner, wanted somebody that, that Carr could throw it up to. And since he put up the fastest 40 time, uh, though that doesn't necessarily translate to most successful receiver. Um, that was a reach for me, not that he went that early, but that he was taken before the other two. Um, yeah. Damon Arnett, their other pick in the first round. Um, I I had never heard of that kid uh, when they took him, and then when they mentioned all the trouble he'd been in, and he came back, and <laughs> and you know before he got in trouble, he could have been a first rounder, and now he should have been like a second, third rounder. I was like, there's better cornerbacks out there, or, or he right. he may be a step, who knows? But yeah, as far as ratings worth, um, there were other ones out there that they could have taken. Um, I do think Jordan Brooks was a reach at uh where he got taken for outside linebacker. I thought there were some other ones better ones on the board or they could have got him later on. Um, um we'll we'll see how these all all these pan out. Some of these reaches, I mean I audibly said who when I was watching <laughs> the draft. And yeah. so I, I'm not going to comment too much on them because when I had to say who to the T V I was like, I don't know nothing about them. So in my opinion, all the ones I said who to were a reach. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, it's going to be interesting to see because the back half of the draft did not go like I thought it would. Uh, some people right. took, took players that I was like, ah, oh, I didn't, I never read that that was a need for you. Um, yeah. so yeah, I, I don't even know what I'll say on them because I don't even know much about, <laughs> about them. Um, what did you think about Ruggs going before the other receivers? Yeah, that one, um, that surprised me. Um, I was surprised that he was the first receiver taken. But I guess, I don't know, I guess you have to look at need maybe. And maybe they felt like they needed a speedster. Um, yeah. Which, Speedy Lamb and Jerry Judy are not slow. Um, so, <laughs> I guess that they, they probably don't have the speed of Henry Ruggs, but I – I, and this is not an insult to Henry Ruggs either, but I don't know that Henry Ruggs' speed is so far above C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy um, that it, it would justify, you know, if you want to, if you're thinking speed, um, taking Henry Ruggs that that far ahead of the other two. Um, Judy had the best hands in the or was the best route runner, um, and then I think C.D. Lamb is, is probably a better playmaker, arguably. Um, yeah. as far as like, uh, CD Lamb, if he, if you, like, I, I don't know his stats off the top of my head, but I know at one point in Oklahoma season, he had like, I don't know, say like 20 catches, but like 10 or 11 of them were touchdowns. You know what I'm saying? So like yeah. it's the, the amount that he was able to 
score a touchdown with the catches. Like, his touchdown-to-catch ratio was super high. Um, so, yeah, that that one kind of surprised me. But, I, I, get, I mean, I guess I get it at the same time, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they just wanted a burner. And since yeah. he was the fastest – that's what uh that's what Gruden wanted. He was like, Well we need yeah. a fast receiver, so let's go with the fastest guy on the board and to follow it up we'll draft two more wide receivers with our next three yeah. picks. <laughs> yeah. It it was it was uh it was something else. That's why they were close to my bottom. <laughs> All right. Uh anything else for the people? No, the last thing that stuck out to me was the Vikings had fifteen picks, which <laughs> is insane. Um yeah, and they so they were super productive with it too. I'm not going to go through all 15, obviously, because that take a long time. But they had 15 picks, man, and, and they um, took Justin Jefferson and Jeff Gladney with those first two, um, and then got Ezra Cleveland in the second round, which was a steal, and then they got James Lynch out of Baylor um, in the fourth round. So um, the fact that they had 15 picks and that they were able to kind of be um good with their picks like they were in my running for teams that won just because I feel like if you have 15 picks at some point you're just going to kind of be like uh we need that position and that guy I like his name so we'll take him you know <laughs> like that but the fact that they they had 15 picks and they did really good with all 15 picks just kind of shocked me I, I I since I've been watching the draft I don't know that I remember seeing a team have 15 picks so that just kind of Surprised me, but anyway, that was. I don't know how I missed that they had fifteen. I have no idea how <laughs> yeah. I missed that. And that they were. I'm looking at them. They replaced needs. I mean, they they replaced Diggs yeah. with Jefferson, who was a solid receiver. Got themselves a cornerback to go back there with. Uh, is Rhodes still with them, or did they let him go? No, nah, I think. Um, but. Um, I hope. I mean, you you would hope that at least like half of these yeah. pan out, right? Like if right. you take if, if you take fifteen players and only two of yeah. them pan out, uh, they may be studs. But this yeah. this draft is going on your permanent record of yeah. sure he drafted two studs, but he also drafted thirteen duds. <laughs> so you you got to hope at least half of them come out. Right. <laughs> I mean, they did have four seventh round picks. You can almost like factor those as. Maybe those don't count against you because, right, you know, not sure. all seventh-round picks pan out. But still, if you have 15 selections and yeah. if you only have two make it, get out of here. <laughs> get it, out it of here. It blew my mind, man. Like, because it like, seems like the Falcons had seven uh, or six. I think there was, like, the, the Texans and some other teams had, like, maybe five or so. And the uh, the Vikings had triple what the Texans had. Um, but, and you I, I don't you start out you start out with seven picks, so they yeah. had two drafts and then one. Um, yeah. <laughs> they had two NFL drafts and an extra player. It's like whenever you go to a, a donut shop and get a baker's dozen, and they give that, they throw that one extra one on there. They they right. said, can I get uh, one NFL draft and one Baker's uh, NFL draft, please? <laughs> and that's, that's and that's what happened there. Oh man, that's funny. They got another boring quarterback to put behind Kirk Cousins. I mean, they're they're set. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, Vikings had 15 picks. That's that's a lot of my storylines. That just kind of blew my mind, man. <laughs> I didn't even notice this. I am glad you mentioned it. Well, folks, <laughs> let us know 
who you thought the winners and losers were. How did your team do? And did we miss out on any storylines? Let us know in the comments. Like, subscribe, share. I know this was a long one, but we wanted to get through all our draft analysis. The draft is long, and this was shorter than the draft, so just remember that. Um, (laughs) uh, All right. Until next time, we're out.